Bing Bomerado. Oh man, am I glad to be here today. Whee! And I'm especially be glad to be standing right here and have a chance to talk to you today. So let's get started. We um, actually, I was, I'm particularly glad to be here because Linda and I missed a couple weeks. We were on a trip, a bucket list trip that we had planned on for more than four decades. And uh, we saw Michigan, New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, and Pennsylvania. And yes, the fall colors are fabulous. We had great weather, a little bit of rain, but not much. And in fact, some of the folks we just visited under good weather conditions had 30 inches of snow this last week. So, like I said, glad to be here, but we had a great trip. And I, I hope to tell you a little bit more about that. But we have some important things to handle today. Really an eternally important passage of scripture that you're familiar with, I know. Even if you haven't been a Bible reader, you've heard these kind of stories before and this, this imagery that we'll have today. Uh, I wanted to start off, though, with a question because here's some, something we should be asking ourselves as a church. What does God want from us? What is it he wants from us? As a church, we should know that. And by the way, I, here's a question you should be asking yourself, and that is, what does God want from me? Now, we're in a three-week series. This is week two. Last week was um, how God wants to bless you, how we've been blessed. Today, we're talking about how you should serve. And next week, well, next week is next week. Come and find out. Today, we're looking at a passage of scripture that's familiar and is very important, but it has a very interesting twist at the end. It, in fact, it catches you by surprise, and it brings up this question about what does God want from us? And so um, I want to pose that question, then we're going to look at the scripture, and I want to leave you with four words that will help us apply this scripture to our lives. One key question, what does God want for us, from us? What does God want from me? And four words to help us apply that. So, but first, let me just, um, without having you turn to the Bible yet, Matthew chapter 25, let me just give you the basic event that where Jesus taught this eternally important issue. So Jesus said this. He said, you know, this, he, uh, he didn't say these words. I'm paraphrasing it. Basically, he's saying, this world as we know it will be passing away. This world as we know it will not go on forever and ever and ever and ever. This world is broken, and the people in it are broken, and God's in the business of redeeming it. And at some point, this, this life will come to an end, 
and eternal life will then begin. And when that happens, he said, he's going to return, and all the people who ever lived are going to be divided into two groups. Not three, not five, two groups. And everyone will be in either one group or the other. And he called this, this Judgment Day event, he calls this the separating of sheep and goats. So this is where I think people, people understand this language, but do you remember the interesting twist at the end of this story? So Jesus tells the people, I'm going to come and everyone will be divided. Uh, the sheep will be on his right. And he's going to tell them, Welcome into God's presence. You get to live forever with God and his angels. And then the goats will be on the left, and he'll say to them, Depart from me. You will spend eternity with the devil and his demons. Now, that's not all he said. He told them why. You sheep are going to spend eternity with God because you did, well, I'm just going to say such and such. That's the, that's the surprising part of this. You will go to heaven because you did such and such. In fact, they're going to say, ah, uh, really? Like, I don't really remember doing such and such. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's true, you did. And he'll explain and go, oh. I get it. And then the goats. By the way, sorry if you're sitting over here. <laughs> anyway, just trying to paint a picture. Uh, now, you will be with the devil and his demons forever because you didn't do such and such. And they're going to say, well, wait a minute. I, I don't think I ever even had an opportunity to do that. And Jesus will say, uh, 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 yes, you did. And then he explains what it is. Now, how many of you remember what such and such is? Okay, we're going to read it. Now it's time to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. And in the Bible I grabbed out of the pew here is on page 1,542. If you grab a Bible, it might be slightly different, but it's right around that page, 1,542. Or get out your phone, but get your eyes on the scripture. And let's look at this eternally important teaching. And here comes the twist. And our topic for today. Verse 31, Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory, and all of the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you didn't look after me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is eternally important, isn't it? What does God want from us? Well, in asking that question, I would like to frame the answer with four key words. Two, I hope they don't describe you. And two that I hope do describe you. It's my way of trying to get after this issue that really is so important. And um, we want to know what the answers are. So here we Go. You got your pencil out, got a paper out, want to jot down a few things. These words that come to my mind when I read these passages. Well, the first one is, number one, I hope you're not housebound. Now, let me tell you why I say this. I hope you're not housebound. Um... And did I mention this? The reason why Linda and I took this trip this year, we intended to go last year. But we were housebound for a couple months. And you know what? It's easier than you might think to get stuck at home. Linda was just at an exercise class at a local gym, and she tweaked her back. Well, actually, she wrecked her back. And uh, for the next couple months last year, instead of being able to go on a trip like we wanted, we were pretty much stuck. Except for, well, you know, going to doctor visits and physical therapy. Have you ever been housebound? Have you ever been injured or sick or caring for someone who is? Then you know 
It's no fun to be housebound. I hope you have a nice house. I hope it's comfortable and beautiful. I hope you have the softest easy chair and the prettiest colors and the nicest things in your house. But however nice it is, you don't want to be stuck there. So, I'm saying this because we got to keep in mind what God's purpose for us is. And in terms of a house, like think of a farmhouse. Well, a farmhouse, a house is meant to provide for you and protect you, but not to imprison you. See what I'm saying? Like a farmhouse is on a farm. You need that. And I hope you have good meals and good rest because you have to get out on the farm and work the farm. If you live in a ranch house, well, great. I hope you're nice and protected in the house, but get out of the house and run the ranch. See what I'm saying? I'm saying God provides a lot of nice things for us, but not just to keep us in. We got to get out. I hope you're not housebound. Have you ever been snowed in? Actually, the people that we visited in, did I say this already? In Michigan, they have 30 inches of snow now. We had nice weather there. And of course, I, I have to say this too, and with um, a lot of emotion that we all have. Right now, our youth pastor is taking care of his wife, who is still housebound. They both are. She's in a lot of pain. We keep praying. We're looking for a miracle. And I don't have the latest update, but I know JP was able to visit them. He said he had a little extra time because someone else was preaching for him today. <laughs> So, of course, we're, we're praying for them. I'm just saying, remember what the purpose of our salvation is. Not just to come in and get stuck, but to go out. Actually, let me tell you a little bit about our trip. One of the reasons we wanted to go was to visit a maple uh, syrup farm. And so uh, it was in Vermont. We were driving a rental car from New Hampshire to Vermont. It was about a three-hour drive. And because we had a set appointment, we had to get there. We didn't make any stops. And when we pulled up to this little shop where they sell this maple syrup and where they make it, I said, I sure hope they have a bathroom there. Now, I said it was a little shop. Uh, the f my first clue was when you come to the door, there's a sign on the door that says, if no one's here, just come in and take what you want, and you can leave your money on the counter. I thought, this is rural America. <laughs> and so when we walked in, there's a lot of syrup there and a very nice lady, but I didn't see what we really needed. Is there a bathroom here somewhere? And she said, sure, come on over to the house. She invited us into her house, which was, you know, across a little field. We, it was probably built a hundred years ago. They keep it up nicely. It's very beautiful inside. And, of course, we were relieved to be there. And in fact, we had some conversation. But wait a minute. We're not here to see your house. Thank you. But show us the maple trees. They have 12,000 maple trees that are hooked up with 80 miles of plastic tubing. And uh, 
they work hard. I mean, having a farmhouse is nice, but you got to do the farm work. And if you want to know more about maple syrup, I can spend more time telling you. But that's all I wanted to say is get out of the house and out to work. Let me put it this way. This is number two. Number one, not housebound, but outbound. That's what God has called us to, not to be just nice and comfortable inside, but to get outside. In fact, no matter how comfortable your house is, you're not going to be happy if you're stuck there. Last year, when we were in Ecuador, Dennis and JP and I, we met a man who has a very nice house, but he's under house arrest for three years. You don't want to be stuck in your house for three years. You want to get out. And that's what God calls us to. Outbound. Out serving. Where? Well, wherever you find a place. You see, it's easier than you think to please God. That's what's so surprising about this story about the sheep and the goats. Oh, you know, how do, how do we serve you? And Jesus says, just find someone in need. It could be the least of these. It could be the most unlikely person. Give them some food. Give them some help. Give them some water. That's what pleases God. It's not that tough. Get out and serve. I would put it this way. It's easier than you might think to please God. He just wants your heart to be so full of Jesus' love. Now, you can put an apostrophe after Jesus or not. You can make it a possessive or just an adjective. I'm just talking about Jesus' love, okay? He wants your heart to be so full of Jesus' love that you treat everyone the way Jesus would. It's pretty much that simple. Get your heart full of Jesus' love and let him lead you to serve wherever people are. And you can follow your heart. You can follow your interests. Just help people. And there are so many opportunities to do that. So, for example, last week, a bunch of our uh, youth and leaders from our youth department got together right here in this room. And they packed up all kinds of food to help hungry people. That's the kind of thing we should be doing. And, in fact, look at this next picture. You can see them all happy there and smiling. That's the kind of thing that makes God smile too. Here's another example. And I, I'd like to give you a hundred examples, but something fits just right for you. And you're going to know because God's going to lead you to it. But here's another example. I was recently at a banquet and I happened to be seated at the table with the Poway fire chief. His name is John Canavan. And I uh, told him, hey, you know, in a couple weeks, I'm going to be giving a talk to people and encouraging them to serve out in their community. And can you give me some examples of ways to help and volunteer in Poway? And right away, he said, well, first of all, Poway is a great place to volunteer. And tell your people, let's see, he said, put those up there again. He said, cert, pars, and p-neck. And I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. What is search, pars, and p-neck? 
And so he explained, CERT is the Community Emergency Response Team. And this actually takes several weeks of training, but then when there's an earthquake or a fire or whatever, then you are already certified with the sheriff and with the, uh, the mayor and with the fire department. You can show up and help. It takes training, but you can do it. Very important community service you can do. PARS is the Poway um, Amateur Radio Society. And this is for a select group, of course. But when the communication lines are down, the ham operators still work. And they have helped in the past and are set to always help whenever that's needed. So if that's your thing, that's a place to uh, get involved in. PNEC stands for the Poway Neighborhood Emergency Corps. I don't think this takes any training. It just takes signing up and being available if uh, some part of town needs help. So, on and on it goes. Where's your heart? Where's your passion? Where do you see people who need help? It's easier than you think to serve God. Just find the least of people and help them. Uh, by the way, there are probably 50 more opportunities to volunteer on the Poway website, poway.org. And I'm sure if you live in Rancho Bernardo or Ramona or Mira Mesa or Del Sur, that there are places there to volunteer. I'm just saying, find the place. This is what God calls us to. Not housebound, outbound. Today is exactly 14 years since I got one of the worst phone calls I ever got. Now, you all have met Rex and Connie Kenimer and Nadine. I don't think you all met Todd Kenimer, their son. Aw, look at that picture. He was an awesome kid who could play any instrument with strings on it. And those of us who had the privilege to know him remember him so fondly. But it was 14 years ago today, November 17th, 2005. I remember where I was when I got the call. Todd has taken his life. No. Sometimes God leads us into ministry, not from our heart, but from our hurt. And in spite of the great loss, there's been great ministry from this. I mean, this, this thrust Rex and Connie out to the field of mental health issues. And so, you, you all know, we participated in the Calm Forum, Healthy uh, Community Alliance for Healthy Minds. And uh, this is, sometimes your best ministry comes out of your worst misery. So where are you going to find a place to serve? Well, in any number of places. And by the way, take a look at these volunteers who helped out at the last Calm Forum. And tell me they're not having a fun time, because they are. Now, where are you going to be fulfilled? It's not just inside your own house. Get outbound. In fact, let me put it this way. A church is kind of like an airport. 
at an airport, there are inbound flights and there are outbound flights. Now, in a church, we like when people come in, but we also want them to go out. Can you imagine an, an airport that only had inbound flights? No airplane ever left. That would get real messy and real terrible real quickly. And churches are like that. In fact, I have a third word for you. Because some of you are volunteers. Some of you do serve. Some of you serve a lot. And I have a warning for you to be careful. Number one, not housebound. Two, outbound. Number three, not church-bound. Not church-bound. Because it's easier than you might think for church people like you and me, for church people to, be, to become church-bound by church structures. I say structures because if you're housebound, it means you're inside the walls of your house. When you're churchbound, well, it could be because you spend so much time at the church building that you don't get out and do good out there. So it could be within the walls of the church. But sometimes we get stuck by other church things, church way of thinking, only having church friends, only uh, uh, following our own church rules or church preferences, and it isolates us from the other people that God wants us to have impact on. And some of the worst offenders are church pastors. I know, because I did it for many years. Just got so involved here and not out there until I just really desperately needed, first of all, I need some help myself and I connected with other pastors. We started praying together and there's some good pastors in town. But also when we start serving outside. Um, so for example, I serve on a committee. It's a community coalition, actually, to help keep students safe. It's called SWAC, S-W-A-C-C, Safety, Wellness, Advocacy, Community Coalition. In fact, that's the reason why I was sitting at the table at the luncheon with the fire chief, is because we serve on this communi uh, community coalition together. It gets me outside of the walls of the church and gets me out in the community where the needs are. And yes, there's a lot of opportunities to serve inside the church. We always need that. But let's not ever forget, it's easy to become church-bound. Church people do that. The apostles did that. Remember when Jesus took his disciples through Samaria. <gasps> Not Samaria. Yes, we have to go through Samaria. Remember? Oh, in fact, this is one time when it was very obvious that Jesus wanted a drink. Jesus himself, a real drink of water. And he asked the woman at the well. The disciples had gone into town to get some food. And you remember, he asked the woman, would you give me something to drink? She said, you're a man and you're asking me a woman? You're a Jew and you're asking a Samaritan? See, it's real easy to get 
stuck by religious structures. We don't ever cross that boundary. But Jesus did. He told that woman all about herself. She went back into town. By the way, she left her water jar there so he could get a drink. And brought all her friends to the well. About the same time that the disciples were coming with some food. Jesus, aren't you going to eat anything? I have something more important to do. What? They didn't even see it. What? There's hundreds of people who need our help. Huh? Where? Oh, those are Samaritans. See what I mean? It's easy for church people, for religious people, to get stuck inside their religious walls and not do what the God of the universe wants us to do. Not be church-bound, outbound. Yes, it's so easy. Don't let that happen to you. Um, I was going to say a little bit more about tonight, because... Um, one of my good pastor friends in our community is, I probably shouldn't say any more, should I? Just come tonight and come find out. Okay, I'll leave that go. Four words. Not housebound, outbound. And not churchbound. But number four, I think, is probably the most important thing. It's a little bit off topic from serving, but no, really, it is so important. Uh, number four is heavenbound. Let's get that straight. Why are we doing this? Because we are heaven bound. And it's our privilege to serve. But wait a minute. Oh, I have to say this. Because it's easier than you might realize to get two things backwards. Two things backwards. And the things I'm talking about is this relationship between, listen, these two words, good deeds and good terms. Good deeds and good terms. It's easy to get those backwards. I mean, yes, you should do good deeds. Well, obviously, God wants people to do good deeds. It's better than doing bad deeds. But this is also important, to get on good terms with God. And there is a critical sequence of this. Now go back to your outline. Let's take these phrases and don't write this down first. Just look at what I'm doing. Okay, just watch the screen. Okay, we're going to fill those two phrases in the boxes in this sentence. Okay, I blank in order to blank. All right, so let's take uh, the good deeds and put it in the first blank. I do good deeds in order to get on good terms with God. Okay? Now, wait a minute. That is not biblical theology. That's Santa Claus. If you don't do good things, Santa Claus won't come. I mean, that's parenting. If you don't eat your broccoli, you're not going to get any ice cream. I mean, there's, of course, this is kind of ingrained in us, but it's not biblical theology. In fact, X that out. Well, actually, I hope you didn't even write it in because it's just the opposite of that. This is what the Bible says. I get on good terms with God in order to do good deeds. Now, I'm not saying you can't do any good deeds if you're not on good terms with God. Of course, there are plenty of people who do good deeds. What I'm saying is, 
that doesn't make you acceptable to God. In fact, the Bible says, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags if we're not on good terms with God. I would translate it this way. It's like dirty diapers. A little toddler comes up to you and says, look at me. Whoo! Don't bring me your dirty diaper. That's disgusting. And God is saying, when you're not acceptable to me and you try to earn your way by doing good things and think that's going to do it, it's repulsive. Now, I know this is hard to understand because there are a lot of nice people who do good things. But the Bible says that doesn't make you acceptable to God. So let's get this straight. And in fact, recently I thought of an illustration that makes sense to me. So let me just share it with you. Let's say that you have a lot of money. That's a joke. <laughs> but let's say you have a lot of money. You have so much money, you want to, you're going to make a large donation. Who needs money around here? Well, you know, uh, the local university here could use a large donation. So you call up and you sit down with someone there and you say, I'd like to donate $100,000 to the university. Woohoo, man, wouldn't they like that? They'd put your name on a plaque and put you on the wall of donors and all of that. Uh, of course, that's a wonderful thing. But let's say this, you mentioned, now, um, my daughter wasn't accepted into your university. And I noticed the sports, the athletic department could use a little bit of uh, upgrade. So how about, I mean, my, my daughter's never played soccer before, but maybe she could, you know, kind of help out on the team or get, get accepted through a scholarship. Okay. You see where I'm going? You see the difference between making a donation and committing a crime of insulting people, of saying, even though we're not accepted, I think if I give money, you'll accept me. Well, what I'm saying is, that's the way God feels when you're not on good terms with him, but you want to buy your way into heaven. What he wants, I've already said this before, he wants your heart to be so full of Jesus' love that that's why you do what Jesus would do. It's get right with God first. And he's already taken care of it. He gave his son. For God so loved you, he sent his son into the world that if you would believe in him, he would accept you. He would forgive your sins and accept you into his family. That's good news. I mentioned it was 49 years ago, didn't I, that Linda wanted to take this trip. Now, let me explain. It's been on her bucket list for 49 years. I know that's hard to believe when she looks like she's not even 40. But 49 years ago... My wife graduated from Bellflower High School. I didn't know her at the time. But uh, shortly after she graduated, two of her favorite teachers, who happened to be a married couple, by the way, David and Linda Smith, uh, 
two of her favorite teachers, left Bellflower High School and went back to his hometown in Midland, Michigan. That's why we went to Michigan. Because 49 years ago, when these favorite teachers left, and by the way, they were favorite teachers, not just because they were awesome teachers, they were. But they also are like, well, like a lot of teachers are, they have a heart for their students. And they had eyes to see that there were some things that weren't right, evidently, at the, in, in her home life. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details, and she's told this story before, but, but uh, there were some challenges at home, and these teachers recognized it, and they really took her under their wings. More than I can explain now. They just really loved her and helped her. The, her school and church is what got Linda uh, through life, that part of her life. And, but when she graduated from Belfair High School and the teachers moved to Michigan, she started writing them letters, and they've, they've corresponded over the years. And she would always write at the bottom of the letter, Michigan or bust. Someday I'm coming to see you. And this year we finally did. And they treated us like royalty. And we had a fabulous four days with them, Dave and Linda Smith. And there's one little event I want to tell you. There's more I could say, but one little event. We were sitting at the dinner table, having a lovely dinner. And I just wanted to thank them for all they did for the wonderful person I had the privilege to marry. And of course, they felt the same way about her. Well, no, she was a wonderful student. In fact, Linda said, this is Linda Smith. She, she said about my Linda. Actually, she said to Linda, you know, I've never told you this before. But when you, that was my first year of teaching, your freshman year. And I just fell in love with you. I mean, I wanted to help you. In fact, I've never said this before. I wanted to adopt you. I was thinking, is there some way I can adopt you? And of course, that wouldn't have been practical or maybe legal, I don't know. But, but the compassion with which she said that, it brought tears to my eyes. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because we all want to be accepted. And God has taken all the steps necessary, including all the legalities, for you to be adopted into his family. And in fact, he said it loud and clear. It's no secret. God so loved the world, he gave his son that you may believe in him and have eternal life. See, this is an eternal issue. I'm not just trying to get you to serve. I'm trying to get you to have your heart so full of the love of Jesus that you will treat everyone like he would. Not housebound. I hope you're never housebound, but if you are, I hope you have good people taking care of you. Not housebound, but outbound. And certainly not churchbound, but heavenbound. That's our heritage. Now, let's get up and get out of here and go to work for him because he has accepted us in Christ. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for all you've done to bless us. Now, may we serve you whenever we see someone sick or hurting or hungry or cold. And may we do it because our heart is full of the love of Jesus. For your sake, 
and your glory and our joy. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.